just want to pray for you. <laughs> Can you just reach out your heart or your hand towards Mandy? Jesus, we just love you and we know how much you love us. And we just um, thank you for what we're going to hear this morning. We're going to hear your heart and what you feel about us, what you feel about how we should love ourselves, what you want us to um, see in ourselves this morning. So I just pray um, that uh, for both Mandy and Jess, that they would um, just uh, come alive as I know they will in this and that you would speak through them and um, everything that you want us to know, we will hear we will really actually hear it this morning. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah I'll need to do for... Um, okay. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> that's, that's good, yeah. Wait, I know, you're all family. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. So does that tilt up a bit? Um, is there, do I need the light above? Oh, that's better. <laughs> can, I, can I just ask who, whose this is on the, on the lantern? Isn't it beautiful? Who made this? It is just stunning. Oh. Oh, okay, I've got a pair if you want to borrow. <laughs> This is a gift from one of last year's KLS students who had real spiritual breakthrough in her life and she wanted to give it to the whole church family. So that's why it's here for everybody to see. And um, she's tried to put a message within the image. And I, I won't read all of this. I'll lead it, leave it out for you to read if you are interested. But I'll give you one little snippet and this was made by Anne Walker. And she picked two scriptures that this is based on. And it's for us as a family. I've set you among my people to bind them to me and provided you as a lighthouse to the nations. Isaiah 42 says, to make a, a start at bringing people into the open, into the light opening blind eyes, releasing prisoners, and emptying dark prisons. They will say, this desolate land has become like the Garden of Eden. So Lord, we just thank you for this gift, and that it carries this prophecy really within it, that your river will bring refreshing, it will bring fire, it will bring colour to our land. And this is who we're meant to be. Amen. That is beautiful. Okay, so um, when uh, Heather asked Jess and I to talk about loving oneself and honouring our bodies, um you know, oh yeah, that, that's great. And then when we really started to process it and think about it, our biggest challenge was not what to put in, but what to leave out. It's huge. This is such a big thing. And I really have a sense in my heart that, you know, God's going to be unpacking more of this over the, the weeks and months. And I'm really excited at the thought of maybe someone like Joan Pocock coming up to speak possibly but anyway but just to clarify Jess is focusing on loving oneself and not on the body she's not a spe specialized in doing the body we just wanted to clarify that didn't we want to didn't we Jess and um and I'm going to be unpacking a little bit of what it means to honor our bodies so I'm going to start with a little fable first so I'm hoping the first picture is going to come up of the, oh, do I click the bottom or I just click? Ah, I've got it, yay. <laughs> so the fable goes a little bit like this. This is how we want to uh, start this morning. A water bearer in India had two large pots, both hung on the ends of a pole which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it while the other pot was perfect 
and always delivered a full portion of water. At the end of the long walk from the stream to the house, the crack pot always arrived half full. The poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I'm ashamed of myself and I want to apologize to you. I've been able to deliver only half my load because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. Because of my flaws, you have had to do all this work and you don't get full value from your efforts. The bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path? but not on the other pot's side. That's because I have always known about your flaw and I planted flower seeds on your side of the path. And every day while we walk back, you've watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate the table without you just being the way you are there would not be this beauty to grace the house. Thankfully, God uses cracked pots. You do not need to be perfect for God to use you. So let's just hold that for a little while, okay? So here's another question. We're talking about honoring our bodies. But how important are our bodies to God? So if we go right back to the beginning, Genesis 1.27. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, there's, there's a lot of um, theology um, and a lot of uh, teaching and books and what it actually means, the image. But if we just focus in the context of Genesis, Genesis 1, now what struck me is, there's, is the men and women. But what's the distinction between men and women? What's the distinction? Our, our bodies. Our bodies. Okay, our physical bodies, that's, you know, a major distinction. So, I mean, there's a lot out there, maybe encompassing the whole meaning of image, but we're going to focus on the body. And we know that our physical bodies are vessels of the Holy Spirit. So, if our bodies are the vessel of the Holy Spirit, our bodies are holy. They're actually holy. And therefore, really important to God. So if we look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought a price. Therefore, Honor God with your bodies. So actually, here we have, it's a loving command. It's a loving command, what God is asking us to do. And then in 1 Corinthians 6.12, and this is kind of what Jess and I have decided to base a lot of the, the talk on this particular scripture. Okay? So I have the right to do anything because... We're in the new covenant. You know, Jesus has done what he's done on the cross. He's done a, an amazing finished work. So just holding it in with that in context, I have the right to do anything, you see, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. 
that doesn't mean we now that we're in relationship with Jesus, we can just do what we want. So when we, let's just hold on to that for a moment, this particular scripture. But when we read Romans 8, we know we live according to the Spirit, life of the Spirit. And we desire, we live according to the Spirit. We want to please God. And when the Father looks at us, he sees the righteousness of his, of his Son, Jesus, in us. He doesn't see our sin. He sees our righteousness. We are liberated as sons and daughters of the heavenly Abadad, but it comes with loving teaching and instruction. Instruction that aligns with God's design, purpose, truth, and will in creation and the health and happiness of you and me. However, we can't unpack what it means to honor the body without unpacking the spirit and mind. They are so intrinsically interwoven. So it's not by accident that Heather has asked Jess to, what does it mean to love ourselves and for me to talk about honoring the body? The two are intrinsically interwoven. And we need, as a church, we need to have a holistic outlook on this. So where in Scripture are the arrows that back this up, that the, the mind, the heart, the spirit, and the body are all interwoven? So the next one we're going to look at is Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. It's quarter two already. Okay. My son... Pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. Open up your ears to my sayings. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing and health to all their flesh. Healing and health to all their flesh. Watch over your heart with all diligence. From, from it flow the springs of life. So that's like a massive big arrow. God's saying, look, your heart, your mind, your body, they're all connected. We're then going to look at Proverbs 4, 7, and 10. Wisdom. Get wisdom, skillful and godly. Wisdom is preeminent. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Actively seek spiritual discernment. This is something that John Pope has had a breakthrough in his life. Mature comprehension and logical interpretation. Prize wisdom. Exalt her. She will place a head of garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty and glory. Hear, O my son, and accept my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. Now we know in heaven there's no time. It's eternal. Therefore, that must mean that our years are going to be many on this earth. That's going to be a direct influence in how we honor our body. Okay? So I've got three examples <laughs> of three life examples I'm going to try and unpack this morning just so that we can get a bit more of an understanding. So for those of you who have not met my husband, this is my husband. Okay? He, Paul... So one on the left, and this one here when he was at the World Championships in his age group um, presenting, uh, representing Great Britain. So Paul, mean, lean, cycling machine. You know, he has a healthy body. And, you know, excellence, God celebrates excellence, doesn't he? There's nothing wrong with that. And we had a bit of a joke about it because he knows I'm doing this, you know. And he went, oh... So I've got a healthy body, but I'm the, you know, I'm the unbeliever. I'm the heathen. And I just looked at him sideways and I said, mm-hmm. But what about his heart, you know? And I'm reminded of when Jesus met the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And she had, Jesus knew all about her life and all of the various husbands that she had. And she was amazing. And then she went back to village to share the good news of this amazing 
man, Jesus. But when the, his disciples arrived, they were really concerned. But, Lord, what are you doing? You haven't eaten. You know, what about your food? And, um, you know, Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So Jesus' food, he was talking about the will of the Father. Now, for me, the fact that Jesus uses the analogy of fuel for the body as in spiritual food is important. And in 1 Timothy, we're also reminded about our relationship with God can bring wholeness and promise to our heart, mind and body on earth, and eternally in heaven. So going back to 1 Timothy 4.8, for physical training is of some value, and it is, it's, it's to be commended. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, I know for Paul it's going to happen. You know, it is going to happen. But, you know, spiritually he starved. Yes, his body is in health, but spiritually he starved. So the next uh, real-life example. This is a a photo of uh, a dear student of mine, Mifanwi. Five years ago, um, she was in a tragic car crash. She hit black ice, and she was left paralyzed. And... Before that, she was a radio producer for the BBC. She's got high intellect, four children, a husband, a barrister. And the accident completely changed her life. But every time she comes to my class, she blows me away. She inspires me. So we want to kind of go back a bit to the scripture about um, circumstances in life not having mastery over us. And my family's had a choice about how to live her life in the reality of her brokenness. Some people live with chronic pain. Some people have disabilities where limitations are put in place but can they still honour their body? Yes, they can. And so within her paralysis, she's chosen to have mastery over her mind and body and, and has not allowed her disability to have mastery over her. In her brokenness, she's choosing to thrive creatively and to stimulate her mind, which is incredibly sharp, And I'm constantly challenged as her art tutor. She has chosen not to allow the circumstances of her disability to have mastery over her. You can see her charisma that she brings to class each week. And she inspires me. So the way we get around the problem, she has like a special um, hand holder around her palm. And I'm able to put the paintbrushes into the holder. So she can move her arm, but she's got no fine motor skills. But she produces some lovely work. But she's chosen to position herself and not allow her brokenness to have mastery over her. So um, the next picture, I'm not going to show you just yet, because I think it will have a bit of a wow factor a little bit later on. So we're reminded of going back to Romans 8, and Romans 8 is a fantastic scripture to really chew the cud over. I really recommend you unpacking Romans 8. Because we're told that in the word we no longer have a spirit of fear, but, a fear, uh, but one of sonship, which, goes, which dovetails really from what Phil was speaking about last, last week, choosing to position ourselves from sonship and not from one of orphan. We have a mind governed by the Spirit, which is life and peace. It's life and peace. That's awesome. That's an amazing promise. And that can be our reality. God cares about our circumstances. 
uh, despite where we find ourselves. So John Pocock, he's uh, the third example I'd like to talk about. He's a wonderfully godly man, and he's not allowed diabetes to take mastery of him. Now, it's on the back of one of these. Here we go. So I'll give you a bit of history with John, and he's given me full permission to share this. Okay? He was a skinny teenager at nine and a half stone. He married at 19, and over the years, really ha- blissfully, happily married. Um, workload, business, a lot of traveling. He ended up stopping playing squash, which was a passion of his. And over the years, he started to put the weight on. And I quote, this is his words, he said, it was my fault. I didn't look after my body. So before Christmas 2017, his surgery were introducing annual blood tests. John's blood sugar reading read 20. So I said to John, well, I'm not really familiar with these types of uh, figures and analysis. What's the normal reading? And he said, our normal uh, sugar reading in your blood should be five to six. I was like, whoa. So he'd contracted diabetes. And he thought, you know what? I don't want to go on pills. So he decided to make a lifestyle change, spoke to Paula Stubbs, and with a little bit of help from Brianna. This isn't right for everybody. This is just for John, okay? He decided to go on a low-carb diet, keto diet. But, you know, Phil's been preaching a little bit about, you know, when we have this, these thought patterns, and this thought life, partnering with the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit flags something up. And you think, actually... I need to take attention of this and follow this through. And this was what happened to John. He thought, I'm not going to take the pills. He was going to decide to part of the Holy Spirit. He'd been having a little bit of a thought. Let's have a chat with Paula. So he went on this diet, no bread, no rice, no root vegetables. But yay, yes to meat, cheese, nuts, salad, white wine, whiskey, He couldn't give up his cheese, loved his cheese. If he was going to have chocolate, it needed to be at least 7% cocoa. And it just so happened, bit of a God appointment. His son Josh didn't know about this, but he'd bought John a Fitbit so that he could calculate his calories going out, exercising, walking. So, to John it made sense Hearing the voice of God, those random stream of thoughts that Phil's been preaching about. He started in January 2018, and by the summer of 2018, his sugar level had become normal, his cholesterol had come down, his blood pressure was normal, and he now cycles regularly and does a loop round Pool Harbour. And he shared with me, this is the fittest and strongest that he's ever felt in his whole entire life. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's just amazing. So, to sum it up, God cares about our circumstances. And despite where we find ourselves, we have an opportunity to part of the Holy Spirit and choose to honor our body and not allow chronic pain, physical disability, addictions to food, alcohol, drugs, lack of exercise, or poor body image to have mastery over us. We are not slaves to fear or anything else. We are children of God. And that's going back to Romans 8, choosing to live by the Spirit. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy and there isn't necessarily a quick fix. But God has strategies for each and every one of us to tap into when we choose to position ourselves to be loved, to gain wisdom, understanding, and above all, to trust God. In a nutshell, we can be the best possible us within the reality of who we are. And you know what? God is, we have a fun God. I've been times when I've gone windsurfing, and I felt 
a complete infilling of the Holy Spirit, like yee moment. And I felt his delight in doing something that I love to do. You know, for you, it might be writing poetry and exercising your mind or reaching out and being creative, unlocking something there, you know? So have I, oh, I think I've just made it in 25 minutes, Jess. So bless you guys, and I'm just going to invite Jess up, and it's going to dovetail in. Um, thank you, Mandy. That was so awesome. It's brilliant. Um, so just kind of following on from that, really, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about loving yourself. So um, loving yourself is a concept which some cultures find really easy. Britain is not one of them. The West in general is not one of them. Now, I must say, I love nothing more than to read all those what British people do statements. You know, you kind of have these little things on Facebook sometimes that say all the funny things British people do. Uh, one of, I'll confess a couple of mine. So um, I will go to a pedestrian crossing, stand at it and not press the button for fear of inconveniencing the drivers on the road. <laughs> so... I know. I'm getting better because now I have kids. I'm like, right, we have to learn to press the button. That's ridiculous. They're not inconvenienced. Um, or I will um, apologise for causing a queue. That's a common one. But you know, do you know what I mean? So there's lots of those kind of very British things we Brits do. Um, and so, yeah, so it's not a very familiar or very comfortable topic sometimes, the idea of loving yourself. And even in, in the church, we're, we're very much, well, we love our neighbour. We all love our neighbours. That's what we need to do. But question, who are we supposed to love our neighbours as? Ourselves. So Jesus commands us to love our neighbours. But you know what? He assumes we love ourselves. And I know that when he's talking about loving ourselves there, he might be talking about a number of things. But I do believe that God wants us to love and honour ourselves. And there's many scriptures about that, as Mandy's already pointed out. And I think... Um, there's that idea really of, you know, sometimes when I, um, when I think about that scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, I think, do you know, if I spoke to my neighbor, sometimes the way I speak to myself, that wouldn't be a very happy neighbor. That wouldn't be a very loved neighbor. Yeah. So I think it's really important, this topic of loving ourselves. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, Mandy started with a story, um, that lovely proverb of the um, water carrier and the idea that one side has the cracks and you hear this tale of kind of uh, frustration, self-frustration that the pot has that it's got these cracks and I'm just not as good as the other pot and this self-comparison and that can often be something that I think resonates for most of us, this sense of there are things in me that I'm frustrated with that I don't like and they, they might relate actually to what Mandy's been saying around the physical realms. I mean, I'm actually somebody who'd struggled with my weight for a number of years so I can resonate with that kind of, oh, that's a crack for me, that's something I grapple with and that's a struggle. But actually there is a place for beauty coming out of our cracks, definitely, as in the proverb and there's another scripture isn't there which is familiar probably to everyone um about um the idea of cracked pots so it goes like this it's from uh, 2 corinthians for god who said let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ but we have this treasure in jars of clay and some other translations would say cracked pots to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. So actually, it's okay that we've got these cracks. But what do we do with a broken jar? Okay, well, we might fix it, we might throw it away, or we might leave it as it is. Now, much to my husband's distress, I'm not one for throwing things out, so um, we'll get rid of that one. But I think we're going to look a little bit at the idea of fixing our jar and then towards the end, leaving it as it is. So, we might make an attempt at fixing our jars. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little story about myself and one of the areas of my life where I've tried to fix a jar. It's quite an old story. Um, so, I mentioned I've struggled with my weight over the years, probably for about 22 years in all honesty. Um, very long time to have these kind of up and down 
things. You can pray for me at the end. <laughs> but um, so, um, and actually, there's a story I wanted to share, which just popped into my mind as I was um, thinking and preparing for this. And uh, it's not it's not a story of greatness. It's actually a story of of failure in many respects. And I thought it's one of those kind of it was it was something I'd forgotten completely about. So I had to even check with Matt this morning. Just checking I did tell you that this happened in my life once because I thought I don't want to be sharing something with everyone if I haven't spoken to him about it first but yeah so back in my early 20s I had tried every diet known to man um, and nothing was really working I was getting quite frustrated with myself and I thought well I'll try a new technique then why don't I try just have a go at this being sick malarkey so as I say not highly recommended but I think lots of people go through these seasons um and so anyway, at the time I was living with some good friends and uh, I, I was, um, one day I was, I was purging in the bathroom and one of my housemates uh, heard me and she came to the door and she said, are you okay, you all right? And nobody knew, obviously, this was a very secret thing that was going on. And um, she said, are you okay, Jess? I said, uh, yeah, she said, are you unwell? And I was like, yes, that will do. Let's go with I'm unwell. So anyway... I came out of the bathroom. She's this wonderful Christian friend. She says to me, Jess, I'm so sorry you're unwell. Can I pray for you? I'm like, oh, I am the worst person ever. So I'm like, sure. Yeah, pray for me. Great. So anyway, so she starts praying. And of course, I break down and I say, well, this is what's really happening. And I'm so sorry I lied to you. And she's a very gracious friend. So she forgives me there and then and um, suggests I, I stop what I'm doing, but forgives me and um, shows me God's heart of grace. And can I just encourage all of you in loving yourself, make sure you're connected to people like that. Make sure you find connections with people who love you and show you the generous heart of God in your friendships with them. I think that's a very helpful part of loving yourself. So what was I doing? I was doing a bit of a botched job of trying to hide a crack there, one of the things that I perceived to be a crack. So I was trying to fix my brokenness uh, by my own strength. And the thing is, we lots of us have these kind of stories, these stories of, of suffering or these kind of deep stories, maybe secret stories. And I wanted to say that I don't believe these stories often start with sin. They usually start with pain. Yeah. And yes, there was sin in my story. I ended up lying and trying to cover up. Yes, yes, yes. But my story didn't start there. My story started with a little girl who believed that unless she was perfect, she was fundamentally unlovable. And we've all got beliefs like that. Um, I didn't know that little girl then. And in fact, I'm just starting to get to know her now. And she's what I'd call my inner child or my orphan in Christian terms. She's my orphan. Now, we all have an orphan. And we all, hopefully, we all in this room, we have a son or a daughter. Okay. But what, I want to focus on the orphan for a moment. So the orphan doesn't tend to live by truth. Often the orphan's broken and maybe hurting, usually a little bit scared about something or another. So Phil last week was talking about this battle that we have between the son and the orphan and the idea that so often we, we operate out of fear sometimes when we're, when we're trying to, when we want to be in a place of rest, we need to work from a place of uh, security in being a son or daughter not out of a place of insecurity from the from the orphan and that is so very true but I do want to talk a little bit about the orphan for a minute because I've heard lots of brilliant talks in churches about sonship and daughterhood and the orphan heart but not many people have ever told me what to do with the orphan okay so As I say, we've got this we've got this orphan and they're usually quite broken. And often all the orphan wants is to be heard and for somebody to witness to its pain or witness its pain. So who knows here that if you've got a child and they're crying and you ignore them, they usually cry a bit louder. Okay? And sometimes that that's what happens with our orphan. Sometimes we can even treat our orphan like the devil on our shoulder. Oh, the orphan lives, listens to lies. Don't listen to the orphan. Shh. We might dismiss him. Oh, that's just my orphan heart. I don't want to listen to that. No, we don't want to listen to lies. That's true. 
We might say, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I don't listen to the orphan. And you're right, we don't listen to the lies of the orphan. But we don't despise the orphan either because it's a part of who we are. The orphan is part of us. So... So sometimes what we can do is we can treat the orphan as like the unsanctified part of us, while the son or daughter is a sanctified part. So we kind of create almost this divide in ourselves and this tug of war between, oh, I need to listen to the truth. Oh, but the lies are coming in. Oh, I don't like the lies. Shh, orphan, shh. And it can be a bit of a tug of war going on. And the thing about that is when we wage war against the orphan, we're, wa- we're waging war against a part of ourselves and a part of who we are. We're only loving half ourselves, the half that we perceive to be um, holy and listening to the truth. We're not necessarily listening to the whole of who we are. And I don't believe that when we approach father, he picks up the son and places him on, a, a, on his knee and gives him a big cuddle and leaves the orphan standing there in tears. I believe he scoops up all of us. And he loves us wholly with all of our cracks. Okay. So what I'm not saying here is that we have to listen to what the orphan is telling us. But I'm trying to just help us think about a different way of viewing this. Okay. We don't dismiss the orphan. If you want to learn to love yourself, you need to teach your son or your daughter to comfort your orphan so that your orphan can learn what it is to be a son. If you want to learn to love yourself, you need to teach your son to comfort your orphan so your orphan can learn what it is to be a son. Okay. So how do we actually do that? Well, we start by comforting the orphan. So we can, and we do this all in the context of Father Heart, of of Holy Spirit coming along with us, coming alongside us in this process. This isn't a self-fixed thing this is a lord come with me into this process help me help me lead this process for me god what do i need to say to my orphan so firstly we don't collude with the orphan we don't listen to the lies we don't indulge the lies that the orphan might tell us but we do go and we say comforting to the orphan we say i see you we might say i see your pain and i'm so sorry you were brought up in a world of conditional love but that's not the truth. So we go on to reassure the child, uh, the orphan or the child. We say it's okay. It's not the truth. You're not surrounded by conditional love. You are surrounded by a God who loves you unconditionally and you are loved with an everlasting love. Okay, so we reassure the child. We start by comforting. We've heard the child. The child doesn't need to shout any louder. We've come to the orphan, the child, and we've said, come here, it's okay. And then we reassure the orphan. And the next step is to disobey the orphan. And this is where we say, I'm not going to try to earn love anymore. I'm not going to work from a place of striving. And that's where we do that. But we do it out of a context of having comforted rather than just ignoring and trying to suppress. We comfort first and then we we disobey the orphan. We disobey the lies. And then finally, again, we receive God's love. And we say, Father, just flood me now with your love, with your compassion, with your grace. Okay. Help my orphan to understand their true identity as a child. And I think if we can do this, we can help our our orphan to grasp who they really are. So the lies dissipate. I may be wrong here. I don't know how much theological basis there is, but I believe that Um, this side of eternity there is always going to be an orphan in each of us but what the orphan believes is the bit that can change and we can help to get our orphan to understand the truth if we treat our orphan with love and kindness and compassion okay so oh hang on one second giving away the game um so some people here might be thinking, oh, this is a bit self-indulgent for me. I'm not quite sure I can cope with all the navel-gazing. I understand that. It, it doesn't feel like it's always for everyone. But I would say it isn't navel-gazing. It's just an opportunity to enable us to accept ourselves as we are with all the cracks in our jars. So following on very much really from what Mandy's saying, we, we can learn to be the best version of ourselves as God has created us to be um, 
as we acknowledge that sometimes we live in pain and sometimes things are hard. So in comforting, in comforting the orphan, we partner with God to bring ourselves true healing so that we can move forward and reach our true potential in him. That's the idea. Okay. There's another um, analogy of fixing, which I wanted to min- bri- briefly mention. And this is a Japanese art of kintsugi. Um, trying to say that one has always it's been tricky for the last month. Kintsugi, kintsugi, kintsugi. Anyway, just about got it, I think. Um, so the Japanese art of repairing a broken pot with liquid gold or silver. So the Japanese really want to honor beauty in the broken. So they... they they take something that's broken and they fix it with um, liquid gold or silver. And it is a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's lovely. And it's a great analogy for life. They do this because it symbolizes the fact that both joy and, su- and suffering are beneficial within life and speak to us and are beautiful. And it's the belief within the Japanese culture that um, the, the belief that a piece is more beautiful for having been broken. And we can believe that we are more beautiful for having been broken as well. So there is truth in this. And often, I think as well, these cracks, these points where that you see the gold, the points at which we connect with others are often the points of vulnerability or the points of brokenness as well. So when we are connecting with other people, those beautiful moments in life where you say, I see you, I see where you've been as well, I feel that, I, I know what it is to feel lonely or I know what it is to, um, to feel joy in this moment. Those areas where we've sometimes experienced brokenness ourselves are often those areas where we can find beautiful connections with others. And the other thing about this is sometimes the strongest parts, the Japanese believe once you put the gold in place, it strengthens the pot so that the broken parts actually become the strongest. So that idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of thing. Um, but actually, I was talking to Merle just the other day and she was saying um, that often the places where we've received the most grace are the places where we operate in most authority. And often that can be true of us as well. So it may be that... When having been broken and having received God's grace in that area, we then go on to operate in authority. And you see that in amazing stories of people who have experienced particular uh, things and then gone on to help people in a similar area. It's not always the case, but it does happen quite often, you find. And God's got that amazing way of turning uh, sadness into good and working everything out for his glory, isn't he? So, yeah. So we don't despise the cracks. However... Neither do we make them the focal point. So that's where this analogy ends for me, because the cracks are now the focal point. They've been sealed up. And we don't need to find our identity in the cracks. So having said all I've said, we don't find our identity in um, all of our weaknesses. They're just a part of who we are. And we, I think the big thing is that we need to learn to love ourselves in all of that. But we don't need to find our identity there, because it's not about the cracks in the end. It's actually about who shines through the cracks. Okay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And we are stronger at the cracks, but it's not because of ourselves, it's because of who he is. Yeah. So we can carry the presence of God, the glory of God, and we can touch others. We can let his Holy Spirit permeate through those areas of brokenness for us and reach out to others. Okay. So um, I think we've just got a few minutes left. Alistair, would you mind just going on keys for a minute, please? I thought what we we could just do is have a little response time, if that's all right, um, just to explore some of what we've spoken about this morning because there's been lots I understand and um, certain things might resonate for different people and what I'm going to just ask you to do is just get yourself into a comfortable position where you feel able to just um, bring your mind and your attention to father And we're just going to connect for a moment with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come now. 
We thank you for all that you are. We thank you that you choose to reside in our cracked pots. And if you'd like to, just take in a couple of deep breaths in and out. And as you do so, recognizing the Ruach of God, Holy Spirit, the breath of God. Thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your love, Lord. I'm just going to ask you to see if there's something that particularly has spoken to you today. And to allow yourself to go to that place where the Lord is speaking to you. And we're just going to ask Holy Spirit to allow his healing balm to soak through the cracks in each of us now. And if for some of you there's a point at which you think, Ah, I've been neglecting my orphan. I've not been loving myself. It's okay. Just see if it's possible now to go with Holy Spirit to that orphan. To take your child as well. To take that child to the orphan and comfort that orphan. Say, I see you. I see why you want to strive. I see your frustrations and your need to hide. And I want you to he- I want to help you understand that you'd live in a kingdom of unconditional love with a father who loves you unconditionally. And so you can be who you are and love yourself. And now just thinking if there's any area that you think, I need to start disobeying my orphan. I need to stop listening to the lies in this area. Just allow Holy Spirit to pinpoint any of those areas now. And now we're going to receive God's love again. Father, flood us with your compassion. Your kindness and your grace, Lord.
and help us to learn what it is to be a son or a daughter. Help us to learn to love who you've made us, cracks and all. And thank you, Lord, that you are the God who heals and that you are the God who sees all that we are to be. And you fill us with so much, so many gifts and so many good things and your presence. You fill us in our cracked pots with your glory so that we can go forward and so that we can be all that you've created us to be. And as we let you love us now, God, we ask that you would help us to move forward into all that you have for us. Thank you, Alistair. Right. I will hand back to you if that's all right. Thanks. Can we just give them a yeah, appreciation? That was, yeah, really good. I was like fully like I was in this other place then. <laughs> so, yeah, where am I? That was, that was amazing. Um, you'll be able to get that again online. Did, it, did we record it this morning? Yeah, great. Um, so there's so much in that, wasn't there? And, um, so much to remember. And if you get a chance this week, just play it back while you're baking or something, I don't know. Um, and just get those words um, back over you.